Hello, I'm Moira Fay, and welcome to the Dublin Business Collective sponsored by SSE Airtricity. The podcast where we get together and jump into the minds of some of Ireland's most famous and inspirational business owners, founders and entrepreneurs. And to today's episode, when we think of Louis Copeland and Sons, we think quintessential Dublin. We think Capel Street, we think history, we think quality, luxury, we think customer service and we think a strong brand identity. And of course, we think legacy. Louis Copeland and Sons is also an iconic family business and there is good reason why they just celebrated 90 years in business, which we'll hear about today. I'm also excited to be in conversation with a family business because I think we need to recognise the incredibly important role family businesses play in our economy. According to some recent research by the DCU National Centre for Family Business, a massive 64% of all businesses in Ireland are classified as family businesses. And not only that, but in Ireland, family businesses employ almost a million people in our nation. So almost a million people work for a family business. So it's fair to say it's a vital cog in the wheel of Irish industry anyway. And I feel that Louis Copeland and Sons represents this incredibly well. This is a business that is wired for connection. It's famous for offering an incomparable customer experience, which I'm excited to learn more about. But I am not the person to speak on this. Today, I am thrilled to be sitting here with Louis Copeland of Louis Copeland and Sons. Louis, thank you so much for being here with me today. No problem. Thanks a lot for having me on the podcast, Maura. So much to cover, but I suppose I would love to start if maybe I could just ask you to indulge me and our listeners just with a maybe a little whistle stop tour of the origins of the company. I'm sure there's a suitcase of stories, but maybe just to take us back to the very beginning. Okay, yeah, well, we just started just over 90 years ago. So my great granddad came over from Lithuania in the early 1900s. And then he was a trouser maker. I think he arrived in Cork and then eventually made his way up to Dublin. And then my granddad then got involved in the business as well. My great granddad, sorry, was called Hyman Kaplan. So he was Jewish. And when he came over to Ireland, married an Irish lady and then changed his second name to Copeland. So, um, yeah, my granddad got involved, started the business in 1933. It was a lot, I suppose, made to measure at that time, all suits. And then in the 60s, my dad and my uncle, Adrian and, and Louis, got involved. And yeah, I suppose it started in, in Capel Street was the original store. It was a smaller, narrow store on 30 Capel Street. And then in the, I think it was the early 90s, then we moved up to a larger, it used to be the old AIB bank on, on Capel Street. So at the time, it was a, a big deal for my dad, I suppose, to make that move. I remember at the time and remember us moving, you know, stock up and yeah, it was a big deal. And um, yeah, so he he took took on that store in the 90s. And um, yeah, I think before that, we, we'd opened from the original store, we'd opened a couple of other stores. So I think Pembroke Street came in around 1980 and that was where my uncle Adrian was based. And then 1984, I think, is when our Wicklow Street store opened. So, yeah, that, that's a, a bit of the a small bit of the history, I suppose, of the business and the, and the stores that we've opened. I think after, yeah, I think the only thing after that, we opened store in the airport for a few years, kind of in the early 2000s, which was great at the time. And since then, we've opened in Dundrum and Cork and Galway and a few other places as well. So brilliant. I'd love to hear a little bit about how you came to play such an integral role in the business. I suppose every owner or MD has a 
obviously a very key role and I imagine even more so with with this a sort of a tight-knit family business but you want to you want to take your vision your goals for innovation new projects but marry them with the core values and the legacy that already exists what was your approach to that I suppose my dad was always always very good at um you know I got involved probably you know since I was probably 9 or 10 I've been involved in the business so kind of whether that be you know the runner boy going up and down to the workshop used to have down in Strand Street or going out and getting the guys lunches in Capel Street or cleaning up or whatever so that's been something I've been doing since I was 9 or 10 part time and then you know during college I think I was in probably in the store more than I was in college for the, the four <laughs> years. But but yeah, so but I suppose when I came in full time into the business in the early 2000s, after being traveling and being away working, my dad has always been very open to kind of letting me get on with things and try new things, whether that be new stores, different things around marketing, the website. You know, he's been very focused on the always very focused on the customer service and being on the floor in Capel Street. And yeah, he's just let myself and the team as I said, try different things and and kind of, I suppose, some other businesses I've, I've seen maybe where, you know, parents would be quite, yeah, just wouldn't give kind of people coming into the business a chance to to kind of try new things or, but that that's something he's always been been great at, I suppose, um, just letting us try new things. Yeah. Did you always know it would eventually become your... Was it was it written in the stars? Was it? Destiny? I don't think so. Obviously, the name the name didn't have. I suppose maybe that was I was pushed into it a bit. But mm-hmm. um, no, like I, I think when I was a kid, I um, like most kids, I probably I, I wanted to be a probably a farmer or a policeman were were two of the things I wanted to do. <laughs> I, we'd my mom is from Waterford, so we spent a lot of summers down in Waterford, and my 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 great uncle had a farm down there, so spent a lot of time there. Uh, and then I said to you when I was in Dublin, I was working in the store. So it was always it was just I was in the shop yeah. all the time. Yeah. And then during college, I went and did business as well. So okay. that obviously helped kind of. And um, but yeah, it was always something I enjoyed. And uh, yeah, I suppose wanted to do. Brilliant. So Louis Copeland and Sons has had a long and strong presence and identity in the fine tailoring market, but is very much holding its own with a robust e-commerce model and a diversification into more casual wear. I'd love to know a little bit about the decision to move in that direction and to take on a new role when you were so easily identifiable in that fine tailoring space. I mean, was it an easy direction to move into? Was it kind of, this is the next part for us? This is gradual, it brought you there? Or was it a strategic decision to move somewhere new? I suppose, yeah, like we've always been known for tailoring and, you know, I think that's been a good thing in ways and then sometimes a bad thing as well, I suppose, because people maybe, you know, stereotype us that that's all we do. But obviously it's great. Weddings is a big part of our business, so it's great to be known for that part of it. But um, but yeah, like I, I suppose back in 80s and 90s, we started to do a small bit of casual wear. It was still mostly down in the old store we were in. It was predominantly suits, jackets, shirts, ties, that kind of that end of it. Yeah. But gradually, like, you know, we we started to do a small bit of knitwear and there was yeah, the knitwear at the time, you know, would golfers on the front and like it wasn't anywhere near the stuff we the items we have now. But yeah, we gradually started to get into that area and yeah, just develop from there, I suppose. We always every year we'd look at kind of taking on new brands and but I suppose in, in the Dublin market at the time it was hard to get brands as well. So the brands we would have been after would have been say Gant, Hugo Boss, those kind of brands. And it was tricky because they were kind of they were with certain other retailers and we couldn't have access to them. So but we kept on um banging on their doors every every year to try and get those brands and eventually we did like I, I remember what you call it um, 
we go to Hugo Boss was a big one, I suppose, in the 80s, 90s and 2000s. And, you know, myself, and my dad, I used to go when I was probably 16, 17. He'd bring me to the, the show over in Cologne every year. It was twice a year. And uh, we'd go on the Hugo Boss stand and there was a guy, Knut, who would have been the the main guy, I suppose, that would have been dealing with Ireland and the UK. And every year we'd go on the stand or every six months and he'd say, no, you can't have it. We've other <laughs> retailers. But, you know, I suppose at the time when I was young, I kind of kept on, well, why are we bothering going back to see him again and again? But eventually, eventually we got it. You know, eventually we kind of... Um, I think we opened, it was when we opened the store in the airport in around 2000, we had to get more into casual as well because the airport, you weren't going to sell you know, loads of suits or jackets. It was more quick buys, people going away. So we, it was at that stage, I suppose, where we started to take on some of the new brands. So we opened a, a Boss Shopping Shop at the airport at the time and we brought in other brands like Barber and a few other ones. So that kind of helped us to go down that more casual route. And then from then, from the airport store, you know, we built up a great relationship with Knut. I suppose for a long time, I probably would have wouldn't have liked the guy because he kept on saying no to us. But <laughs> you know, eventually we came quite close, and um, you know, the airport store worked great for for a good good amount of years. And um, and yeah, that gave us the chance. I suppose when Dundrum came up, I think it's twenty something years ago now. But when that when Dundrum was being built. We felt at the time that maybe a Louis Copen store wouldn't suit Dundrum. It was maybe more casual. So we had a good relationship after a couple of years in the airport with Yugo Boss. And um, we kind of took a chance and, and said, maybe we'll do open a Yugo Boss franchise store in Dundrum. So, um, yeah, and that was that was great for probably 15 years until we changed it to a Louis Copeland. But I think by by doing that and opening a Gantt store as well in, in Dundrum, that kind of helped us to go down that more casual route, learn from those brands and see how they work. And it helped us with our Louis Copen stores, I suppose, to develop more into the casual end of the business. I think no matter what industry you're in, it is just all down to building relationships, minding them, looking after them. It's just, I think it's the common denominator across the board. Thinking of relationships, and you mentioned briefly earlier on that customer experience, one of the things that Louis Copeland's are known for nationwide is that customer experience. It is that connection with between the business and the customer. And I'd love to know if that has shaped the business's direction in any way. I mean, you know, I suppose you could talk about it here and say global domination or, you know, what would you want in the future? But how important is it to keep that close to home and to keep that customer relationship and to keep that connection? I think that's probably one. Well, it is one of the most important things that we have or that we, you know, yeah, we, we care so much, I suppose, about our customers. I think it's our customers and our team, because obviously if we if we didn't care about our team, you know, they're the most important thing to us. And if they're looked after and you know, they'll in turn look after our customers. So, yeah, we, we do for our team, for our customers, we do ever, anything we can, I suppose. So but yeah, customer service, it's, you know, from my dad, I suppose, from from when I was a kid, I suppose, you know, when he'd be you know, delivering things to, to customers at home on his way home on an evening or it's the same nowadays as well. You know, yeah. we, we all, you know, a lot of the guys would do that. You know, sometimes I have my, my wife or my father-in-law roped into that as well. <laughs> you know, we, we'll do anything we can. Yeah. To, and I know my dad would say as well, we don't get it right all the time. But when when we mess up, I suppose, we, we go above and beyond to do whatever we can to make sure the customer is happy. And that goes through to the website as well now where I suppose, it, you know, in the stores, there's that connection and, you know, you meet the customer and whereas on the website, it's a bit more tricky. But I suppose we have, um, you know, the live chat, 
We do follow phone calls with a lot of customers and even down to our reviews, you know, that we have on the site. So when uh, usually after a customer purchases, they usually get a review request within two weeks. And uh, on that review request, there's a couple of our contact details. So my mobile number is on that review that goes out. And if the customer has any issue at all, you know, they can come back to me or my dad or, you know, there's there's that option there for them. So, yeah, like and as I said to you earlier on, when, you know, when we do mess up, you know, I, I remember a couple of years ago we had a, a wedding party and there was an issue over the fit of a suit or there was some issue anyway. I can't remember the exact detail, but we had to kind of get the suits made up again. And it was obviously a rush, you know, with weddings sometimes for the guys. It's a lot of a lot of pressure because it's it's a big day for the the couple. You want to make sure we get it right. So I think at that you know on that occasion, a lot of some of our suppliers would be in Portugal for our suiting, and um, so we we sent over somebody on a flight, you know, to to make sure we got the suits on time, you know, for the customer. And obviously they were delighted. But it's those kind of lengths that yeah. we'll go to we'll do anything, I yeah. suppose, to make sure we get the customer looked after. So, uh, and I think it's not the norm in most businesses. No, it's it usually, not. usually in most businesses, even websites, you can't see a, a number, a contact number or, you know, whereas, whereas I mentioned the live chat we have on the site as well. Like that's me and Aaron, our e-commerce manager, who answer most of those requests so it's not a most people might think it's a bot or something but you know it's me usually if if it's a Sunday or whatever and I'm playing soccer with the kids or (laughs) you know give me a minute I just need to reply to this request so it's um, yeah for myself and and all the all the the people in the store is so important to us that we look after our customers A testament to that just to share for a moment I had mentioned briefly earlier on that my dad was a huge fan of Lou Copeland's and I remember when he started his business his whole thing many many years ago was when he made it he was going to buy a Louis Copeland suit okay. and that was his thing and then he bought his suit and since then he bought very many suits very many shirts easy trip for me into Wicklow Street at Christmas for the voucher <laughs> there you go <laughs> but my brother was in last year and your dad was fitting him for a shirt and he was chatting away and uh and my dad would have been in with him many times over the years. And he said to my brother, oh, what's the occasion? And my brother said, it's my dad's funeral. And your dad said to him, oh, my gosh, who? And they started to have a conversation. Okay. And he was asking all about my dad. And he's like, oh, I think I'm our man. And they were talking about names and suits. And Barry was talking to him all about all, you know, the experiences he had had. And, and then my brother was very well-minded in the shop okay, and, and okay. brought through the whole day. And I suppose your dad took a very difficult experience and made it something quite special, actually, for him, considering okay. the, the significance of it. So I suppose just to say, you know, that is a testament to that customer experience. Yeah, I, I think as well, like, I suppose by my dad, you know, that's one example, I suppose, but there's so many examples and I suppose by him doing it and the other guys, you know, that are there with us so long, I suppose, then you know, new people coming in, I suppose, they learn and they see them doing it. And, you know, there's there's a there's a, a gentleman, Paul, who works with my dad. Paul's been in Cape Street for the last 40 years. And so like the two of them are like a, a double act in <laughs> Cape Street. And um, so like obviously, you know, but Paul, you know, new people coming in, they learn from Paul, they learn from my dad. And then the other stores, it's it's just, you know, it's evolving. And, you know, it, it's just, as I said to you, it's just so important that we look after our customers. And Absolutely. by my dad being there, you know, he, he kind of, um, he gives that experience to those customers yeah. when they're in and, and everyone else learns from it. So They know they're in safe hands. Yeah, yeah. Would love to ask you, 
what you, and I would normally ask this to our guests, what would you consider one of your biggest challenges to date? And then maybe follow that up with one of your biggest successes that you go, wow, this is absolutely amazing for our business. I'd say probably one of the biggest challenges, I was going to say COVID, but I probably every, everyone mentions <laughs> that. So I suppose it was probably before that, it was probably the Dundrum store. So I, I mentioned earlier on, we had a, a Yugo Boss store at the time for probably, I'd say the guts of maybe 12, 15 years in, maybe 12, 15 years in Dundrum. And and I suppose it came to a time when, when Yugo Boss decided they wanted to do it themselves. There was a lot of back and forth at the time. You know, myself and my dad travelled over and I suppose it didn't end great with Yugo Boss at that stage. And we were kind of left with a decision to, you know, do we kind of persist and kind of do we sell out to them or do they take it over? Or do we try and come up with something else? Because it was a nice unit in Dundrum, you know, good location. And and obviously before that, we were we were well known for suits in, in Louis Cope and Casual where we'd started to get into. But yeah, it was a difficult time, I suppose, because it felt like it was a store that was sometimes when, when it's a new store, I feel like it's my baby, I suppose. And, you know, I want to look after it and make sure it works. And that felt like that store felt like the baby, I suppose, at the time. And, you know, it felt like it was being taken away and obviously I think at that stage it's, my wife will probably argue with me but uh, I think we had two kids one or two kids at the time so it kind of felt you know obviously you have to want to support your family and so it felt like some, some, somebody was taking something away from you so yeah. so yeah that was difficult but we you know my dad was very unsure at the time of converting it to a Louis Copeland store and the accountant thought I was crazy as well to, to do it so it took a lot to change it and it, it kind of I suppose at the time uh, I remember getting there was a, a, another retailer who my dad would respect greatly who had massive business in Ireland and uh, it was actually him he was a customer of ours in Dundrum and I asked him at the time he he I sat down with him you know uh, showed him the figures the plans and he was somebody that both myself and my dad respected and yeah he he kind of he thought it was you know worth giving it a go and um yeah, and he helped me, I suppose, to kind of sit down with my dad, go through it. My dad respected him and yeah. I suppose, like I said earlier, my dad is open to giving things a go and let us go ahead with it. And it was probably the best thing we ever did. So it was a terrible time, the couple of years and the back and forth with Hugo Boss. But, you know, seeing it now, it was probably the best thing that ever happened because, yeah, I suppose we were more master of our own destiny going forward after that, okay. whereas before as a franchise store, you're kind of told what to do and certain rules and regulations and all the rest of it. And whereas I suppose converting to a Louis Copen store meant we could do more what we wanted to do yeah. and kind of go into products that we felt were more right for our customers. So um, see, that was a, a, a very tough time, but it worked out, worked out well in the end. Yeah, I think if someone thinks you're crazy, it probably is a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it means it means you're doing something right. You're doing yeah. something different. Yeah. yeah. Um, so would you say that that ultimately maybe led to one of the, I suppose, one of the big successes to learn, as you say, to be the, sort of the master of your own destiny, to take the lead on that and to expand on your own terms? Yeah, like I, I think it, um, it showed me, I suppose, that, you know, uh, you can get through those difficult times, mm -hmm. I suppose, and work through them. Uh, and yeah, obviously the store has been very successful since. Yeah. So, and I, I think it, I suppose the, the other reasoning I had at the time for for kind of changing it to Louis Copen was that um, we'd, we'd had the airport for probably, I think, 10, 12 years, something like that. And that we closed that when once 
Erlingus moved to T2 and but we got great like it did very well for a long time but it just wasn't going to work with half the customers going through um, and but it did show us to a new customer at the time in the airport and I suppose I felt with Dundrum that you know it was a great centre right type of customer for us and I felt it would open Louis Copens up to a new a new customer yeah. uh, you know that maybe couldn't get into town that were based near Dundrum and yeah I, I think it gave us a great you know showroom I suppose for the brand yeah. I know sometimes people call you know call it maybe a flagship or whatever and my dad always says flagships don't make any money but <laughs> it, it has it has been good for us and I think yeah. it gave a, a great um, yeah it was a great kind of a presence for the for the Louis Copen brand Brilliant can I ask what is next for Louis Copeland? Are you will Louis Copeland remain a family business? Will you remain in, in Ireland? Is internationalization on the agenda? What's the five, ten year plan? What does the future hold? In I your think it's view? the website is is our main focus mm-hmm. at the moment. Obviously, we need to continue to kind of grow the stores and develop those. You know, we did look internationally a couple of years ago, um, not too far away, but it just didn't work out at the time. And um, yeah, I think with the website, it give us, gives us the potential to be able to still grow the business, but still give great customer service, you know, because I think we're giving great customer service as it is on the website. I think we've nearly, I think we're nearly up to 4,000 reviews with, mm-hmm. you know, a 4.9 or something like that. So we're very conscious of that. And so I think with the website, we can continue to grow that and continue to look after our customers in the same way. Whereas my worry would have been, I suppose, going outside the country with more stores, we probably we might lose focus on the stores we have. So uh, we opened Cork a couple of years ago and we've we've a brilliant, brilliant manager down there, Nigel. And yeah, I suppose it's, you know, it's been great down there as well. But I think any more than what we have at the moment, we might. Yeah, I, I just don't want to lose that kind of that kind of customer service, yeah. that kind of. Um, yeah, don't want to lose that. So I think that's why the website is probably the will be the focus for the next kind of, I suppose, five, ten years. Yeah. Thank you. And what I will do is I will finish up with the question that I ask all of our guests, which is if you had one piece of advice for another business owner, someone who is mastering their own business destiny or an entrepreneur or someone who has that idea, if you had one tip or one piece of advice, what would you what would you say? I don't know if I've just one of one or two, but <laughs> that's um, fine. But, uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I suppose like like I mentioned earlier on with the Hugo Boss issue, I suppose at the time and kind of getting through, like, you know, I, at the time, you know, it was a terrible time. And, uh, you know, obviously I felt, you know, am I going to get through this or not? And like, I think it's just keep going and keep plugging away and eventually, you know, it'll happen. And as I said to you, I couldn't have foreseen, I suppose, how successful the store would have been. And, you know, it, looking back at it now, it was obviously the right thing to do. But at the time, it was very difficult. So I think it's to keep plugging away, keep working away. And I can see my dad as well, you know, that kind of work ethic, you know, that's kind of that helps as well. So um, and I think the other kind of piece of advice is, I think, to look for help and, and advice. You know, uh, there's been over the years, I've had a couple of issues with different businesses, you know, parts of the business. And, you know, I've gone to people who, you know, were friends of friends or different business associates. And some of the advice and help I've got, like I just, you know, you know, and not not 
paid for help, just people will. There is loads of people out there who are willing to give advice, you know, particularly business people who have been around for a long time. So I think it's just to ask and like, you know, I said to you with, with one or two people I've who's, who've helped me, I don't know how I'll ever repay them, but they don't look for payment. They just just like to help out. So um, see so that they'd be a couple of bits of advice, I suppose I'd, I'd, I'd give. Fantastic. As uh, they say, uh, I know I've said, said it a couple of times um, when when thinking of business is that a rising tide lifts all boats. And, you know, when you have that kind of collective mindset, it's brilliant for everybody. Louis, thank you so much no for problem. joining thank me. You. Today's wonderful chatting to you. And I wish you and the business all the very best and uh, looking forward to you celebrating your next 90 years. And that is it for this episode. Again, huge thanks to our sponsors, SSE Electricity, And of course, to you for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please like and share this episode and subscribe to the Dublin Business Collective to hear more conversations with incredible business owners and entrepreneurs. My name is Moira Faye. Thanks again for listening and I will speak to you next time.